podcast is brought to you by Inside and get yourself something cool to drink. Condescend me, man. Fucking kill you, man. Man, fuck that shit. I ain't finna shoot nobody. Oh, you know I can't let you go without tapping that ass. How you like the sound of them bells, bitch? They real pretty, ain't they? God damn, Jimmy. This some serious gourmet shit. What's special? Take you in the back and suck your dick. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Welcome all you QT faithful to Tarantino Speculation, a brand new news and information series here on the Church of Tarantino. I'm your host, the Reverend Scott Kay, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to this new endeavor where whenever there is a major announcement involving our Lord and Savior, Mr. Quentin Tarantino, myself and a special guest will ruminate, hypothesize, and speculate on all the latest developments in the Tarantinoverse. Joining me for this maiden voyage is Mr. Ian Schultz, creator and writer for PsychotronicCinema.com. Welcome back, Mr. Schultz. M.A. Tarantino, be with you always. Thanks for having me back. It's been a minute. You were on my Jackie Brown 25th anniversary special. That's what we finally got a chance to uh, parlay. And you'll be on another special coming up later in the month of September. But you're not here for that. You are here because when I decided to kind of make this a thing, I had done a couple of cinema speculations when the movie critic stuff was being announced. And I thought, it's not really about cinema speculation. And so I wanted to keep this more Tarantino and not just be about the movie critic, although we will discuss some of the newest developments in that. But there's a lot of things that <laughs> sometimes it's dormant for months. And then all of a sudden, like a case of herpes, Tarantino flares up and a whole lot of stuff happens. But before we jump in, what has been going on with you in the last, and I feel terrible that it's been about seven, eight months since we talked, but that's how fast time seems to move. Even though days are slow, years go by fast, it seems. What is going on with you and your current work on psychotronic cinema and everything else you've been doing in your creative life? I uh, left D-movies. I was kind of thrown out of film hounds. It was very strange, but whatever. So I'm just currently doing stuff for psychotronic cinema for the most part. I just sent my actually just actually just sent my invoice to Circuit site. It's been announced officially and everything that I did one of the essays for the upcoming 4K Blu-ray of David Cronenberg's most recent film, Crimes of the Future, hmm. which is out in late late August, I believe. August 24th rings sounds about right around that time. And I just actually am going to be volunteering at the Hyde Park Picture House one day a week, which is my local art house cinema. I did not get a job there, but you know, hopefully it will lead to a job in the future. You know, and one day a week for, for a place that's five minutes from my house. You know, because yeah. I would be there anyway. So it's like, you know, I might as well have something on my resume. You know, and that's that's probably about it. I'm just watching more films and the usual stuff. I did see recently you put on your socials you. Did an interview with Mr. Ron Perlman? Is that correct? And what was that for? No, no, I did not. In, no, I did not interview Ron Perlman. I asked him a few questions on Instagram because I basically begged him to put me on because there's there's basically he was trying to get people onto his Instagram for like some 
promotional thing for Pluto TV. Oh, okay. Because it was shown Drive or whatever, and it was like, who wants to come on the thing? I came on, and I asked him a couple of questions about Drive, and he, he was a bit drunk on tequila, which was quite fun. So that was that was very weird. I did not was not was not an interview. Well, hey, you still got the you still got the hobnob with her for a little bit. It's like like five minutes. And he seemed like a nice guy. So I was shocked he was a nice guy. But I mean, given the films he does, it kind of makes sense. Well, this is true. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> he, he's he's not the guy from Drive that uh, we see him to be in the movie. Well, no, well, that was one of the things I asked him is um, when he, because the reason why he wanted that part is he's he's a Jewish guy who grew up wanting to be an Italian gangster, which is what that part is. Yes. Yes, it is. So he kind of was like, I know I am his guy deep down. So. So maybe he's a bit closer to that part than he <laughs> we, <laughs> Well, I have a few uh, questions. Since you did not, or you were not on my first two, obviously, I had two different special guests, but I got a chance to ask him this, so I feel it's only right that I ask you this. Back in March, when Tarantino said he was ready to shoot his 10th and last film entitled The Movie Critic, what was your initial reaction to the announcement? And the follow-up to that is, how do you feel about the name of the film. Well, I mean, first of all, the first like the first stuff was like, oh, it's going to be a Pauline Kael biopic, and I am let's just say not a Pauline Kael fan. Um, I think it's partly a generational thing. I ask you because I don't like most movie critics who are pretentious assholes, to be honest. But I mean, it's it's a pretty generic title, but you know, sure, there's a point to it, and you know, we we shall see. You know, I, I I've, I've liked every film he's done. With, to varying degree, I mean, my, probably my least favorite would be Death Proof of the main features, let's say. But, you know, we shall see. It's kind of grown on me a little bit, but I think it's because it's just, you know, if you say the name enough times, it grows on you. Like you said, we'll, we'll have to see if, you know, uh, some other guests have said maybe it's, you know, because it's set in the 70s. Maybe he's going for more of a 70s feel with the name of the film. But I guess we shall see when it eventually comes out. Maybe next Christmas of 2024. That seems like the date, but we shall see. Let's go to work. Since I've devoted all of June and July to both volumes of Kill Bill, it seems only fitting that we will start off this episode speculation with the news that Lionsgate has acquired both volumes of Kill Bill and Jackie Brown and plans to release 4K versions of all three, starting with Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 this fall in time for the 20th anniversary of Volume 1's release. However, there's still no word yet as to when Jackie Brown's will be released. My question for you, are you excited for these releases, and will you be picking up any or all of them? I mean, I will probably pick all of them up. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, I, I think um, it would be interesting what he does with, with the Kill Bill release, because that was the first of his films to not really have a lot of extras on. He's been saying for years and years there's going to be some special audition. Is it the whole bloody affair? Is it just that? Or is there a bunch of making of stuff? Or whatever deleted scenes even we shall see i mean i would hope so at this point i mean i'm sure they've compiled something back in the miramax days that there's never released with the whole miramax to weinstein company and obviously what happened with weinstein so well that's actually good because uh one of my follow-ups is uh, since it has not been announced yet as a special feature or extra release why do you think we still don't have the bloody affair that was originally announced by mr tarantino himself back in 2006 Still hasn't been released. However, he does have a cut of it that he has shown at the New Beverly. Do we think 
he'll ever release it? Is it going to be a special thing that he's just holding on to that maybe he'll wait till next year when volume two turns 20? Or will it never see the light of day? What is his deal with this fucking film and why he won't release the thing? Well, you can find a version of it. Yeah, I know you can find some bootleg copies, but you know, we all want this. We want the 4K. We want the full thing. I want the full whole bloody affair. Uh, I think we were talking back and forth. There's even a DVD. Someone wrote a review on it because it was going to be released back in 06. Um, if anyone goes to hit the, a site called the Quentin Tarantino Archives, that's where it was released or was announced a long time ago. You can go back into the database of that, go back far enough, and you'll see the article where they said Tarantino is going to be releasing this. And back then it was DVD because we still didn't have Blu-ray yet. But it was going to be a DVD release with the whole thing put together as it was originally intended as the whole bloody affair. I mean, we, we, we shall see. I mean, I, I wouldn't hold my breath, but um, I mean, I, I don't know how much he actually even likes the 4K format because obviously we know he is a VHS <laughs> guy. Um, and I know he does like Blu-rays. I, I know the Inglorious Bastards one he did not really have any involvement with. I know Aero is supposed to be doing that at some point in the future. I mean, I'm sure he'll sign off on it, because I think contractually he has to sign off on the, the remasters of C's. But, no, we shall see. It's weird that he has such an issue with that, because 4K really does look good. I mean, it really does bring the imagery he shot with to life. I don't know what his... I don't know if he has an issue with it, per se, but, you know, he obviously does like his VHS, cropped VHS copies of films. But I'm like, okay, Quentin. I get that he enjoys what his old job was. And look, I, I, I pine for the days of renting VHSs back in the day when you could. And that was fun. But as the copies get better, VHS sucked. Let's just be honest. VHS sucked it's a whole, after a while. It's a fucking horrible format. Yes. And so uh, he feels like this old man standing in the yard, like pining for the old days. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, and I always find, find it funny when, when uh, like the end of the podcast was like, which one has the best transfer? Like, they both fucking suck. It's not even like, and at halftime, it's not even the full image of the fucking movie, and he knows better. I know. I know. He's just one of those people who clutches onto the old days just, just for, just to do it. Just just to be that person who's an outlier. Just to, for outlying sake. I don't know if you heard the uh, Joe Dante with, with the Avery's one, and like, they went on his podcast, which is my favorite podcast, I might add, besides yours, obviously. Well, Joe was like, the fucking TV he watches on fucking crops the top of it anyway. So you're even losing even more of the image than even the crappy VHS tape. Which is weird because he has a, he has his own projection room where he puts, he owns 35 millimeter prints. Like he's such a fucking, sometimes, I don't know, you just want to slap him sometimes. Like he's such it's a It's autism. <laughs> But you said it and I didn't. I mean, we, I think I think I'm a allowed lot of people, to say it since I'm on the spectrum. You know what? I know I'm on the spectrum as well. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think uh, I think you'll find a lot of creative people who obsess about <laughs> things are a bit on the spectrum, and that's perfectly fine. But it's just a fucking weird thing. It's like one minute you want this pristine, you know, you're shooting Hateful Eight on an old camera, and you want it on film, and you want it to be in all its glorious, and then you're like, but I want to hold on to VHSs where it pan and scans. Like, what the fuck? Those are two sides of an opposite sides of a coin. Like, that's fucking insanity that he he is literally, you know, digging a trench and standing, on, fighting on that hill. He'll die on for VHSs 
but yet he also doesn't want anyone to not shoot on film. Like, I don't know if he understands that, yes, VHS tape has film in it, but it's not It's not the same film he shoots on. I don't know if he has yeah. gotten that information given to him yet. I always find, and I also find it hilarious, like, how much uh, Gail pays for the VHS tape. So I'm like... <laughs> I think I think she's getting love. gouged. I think at this point people oh, are yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, they're oh, gouging yeah. the shit out of it. She should she should hire someone else <laughs> somewhere else just buy it somewhere across the country. It's like ten bucks for VHS. Tape. I, know. I, I mean, should reach out to her and go, look, I will buy them for you. Then no one's gonna know who I am, and then I'll send them to you. And just say thanks to me on the air. Maybe plug my pockets every now again because you're getting fucking gouged right now for the price you're paying for these pieces of shit. It's unreal. But but I guess the, I mean it's also like the whole hipster uh, thing with it now. I know I know. I mean once I once mean, something I mean, becomes a popular again, people. I mean cassette tapes are getting out of control again because that's becoming a thing again. I mean at least for that I kind of get it. Um, and there's also a lot of stuff that was like released only on tape and whatnot. And actually the sound quality is actually not too bad on on cassette tape. So and also if it's cheaper to buy cassette tape than it is to buy a new vinyl these days because vinyl is so for now until it becomes the hipster thing to be until till vinyl goes back out of fashion and tape comes yeah. back in then all of a sudden you're going to see fucking tape through the roof for no reason Memorax is going to come like back it's like 35 quid for a new album wow. or 30 bucks or whatever you know crazy well, speaking of his most violent film since we're talking about Kill Bill on this first section this week Mr. Tarantino himself killed Kill Bill Volume 3 speculation, saying it is very unlikely that the film will ever happen. However, as we will discuss later, he's not always a man of his word. Are you surprised at all by this news? What? (laughs) Newsflash. Are you surprised at all by this news? And did you ever think we would actually get a Kill Bill Volume 3? Uh, I never thought we really would. I mean, I actually vaguely remember, this is probably not true, but wasn't there ever a poster that said Part 1 and 3 or something at one point? Back when it first came out. What you may be confusing is a couple years ago, probably still before he did Death Proof, but right after, you know, the excitement of Kill Bill, he did say that he wanted to revisit and have a volume three 10 years later. So he was going to do it in 2013. I do not remember, and I should have, goddamn, you know, you would think I've researched it before I come on this podcast, talk about it, but... There was some kind of spaghetti western franchise or series that did a similar thing where they had a story, they waited 10 years, went back and filmed some kind of revenge story where one character was now going to seek revenge 10 years later. They you know, they waited for that window. He wanted to do a similar thing at the time. So in 2013 he was supposed to, like I said, <laughs> we're going to get into this whole blue balls of the Tarantino fandom where he says a lot of things and they don't come true. Uh, but he said he was going to, you know, continue the story 10 years later. Well, 2013 came and went, and now we're 20 years past when it was supposed to, you know, the original. So now we know that it'll never happen. But I think that's where you may have uh, be getting the two, the wires crosses. He had announced it years ago, much like the whole bloody affair was going to come out. And so was the volume three. But none of those things have transpired still. But but then again, now would be the time to do because Maya Hawk is now a big name actress. And- yeah, well, there was a, I mean, there was a lot of push for it last year, but not just Maya Hawk, but I mean, really, uh, Vivica A. Fox was really pushing for having to Zendaya be yeah. her daughter. I mean, Vivica A. Fox was even in a video for SZA. I mean, that's how we properly say her name, SZA, who I did mean, the I, Kill I, Bill. I, I mean, I, I feel I feel sorry for the girl who actually plays the daughter in the movies because it's like, there's no way she would be the daughter today. Well, uh, the girl, the original daughter, uh, she was in Kill Bill, or not Kill Bill, Jesus Christ, she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 
episode, she was the one who sold the acid cigarette to Brad Pitt's oh. character. So, oh, she, so great. yeah, so she doesn't even get the plane. Like, she's the original girl. But so she makes her, her appearance. She got a little cameo in that film. But, I mean, in fairness, looking at her in that film, she doesn't look like she's in any condition. And I don't mean this in some kind of body tour, but she just doesn't look like an action star who's about to pick up a sword yeah. and fight somebody. Like, even Zendaya, at least, looks like she's ready to go at any moment. Yeah. And Maya Hawk would have been great. I would have loved it. And she's a Gattaca baby, after all. He could always write something, and maybe he could give it to, uh, was it Production IG? We could always get an, I would love to see an anime version of it. Well, he, he could always, maybe Rodriguez could do it with someone, you know? That's going to be the interesting thing post this, supposed post-film career. Will he stop writing scripts you know will he allow anyone else because early on he did so he could sell move you know scripts and make movies yeah. obviously natural one killers and true romance and from dust on being those three will he do that post his career well and, and, and crimson tide yeah yeah i mean because he script doctored a lot of, of films you and, know on credit and the rock the rock yeah. he did a go at but will he will he you know write a script and allow someone to film it i mean tony scott did a great job with it uh he, he's not a fan of oliver stone's We'll discuss that next year about when that turns 30. Oh, definitely get me on for that. Because I, I think what Oliver did is much better than what Tarantino did. I agree as well. If uh, if you listen to our podcast from last year, we talk about it. And then obviously he was in from Dust of Dawn and Robert did it. So, I mean, of course it was in good hands in his mind. So it'll be interesting to see if he allows anyone or if he even writes for anything that's a script. Or will he continue to write novels and will he allow people to then adapt that? Well, it'll be interesting to see what he allows control to, to slip through his fingers. I mean, I mean, he's obviously doing some kind of TV thing. You know that. <laughs> we'll get into that in a second. We'll see about that. I don't know. We'll hold our breath. I have my... We'll, 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 get, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So let's move on. Back on May 22nd, Tarantino announced the passing of his fictional Hollywood actor from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Mr. Rick Dalton. He's not fictional. He's not <laughs> Sorry. Fictional. The real-life actor, Rick Dalton. Dalton died of natural causes at the age of 90 in his home in Hawaii. No fucking way. Not with that dr- <laughs> not not with that drinking habit. There's no fucking way cirrhosis didn't get him or drunk driving accident didn't get him first. But anyways. What's well, Hawaii? He probably could just walk <laughs> back from the ball. Now since the announcement over on Tarantino and his pal Roger Avery's podcast, the video archives, they've devoted two special episodes to the career of Rick Dalton. My question to you, Mr. Schultz, can you ever remember another film character being killed off by its creator and their death not occur in a film? Not on top of my head. I'm sure you've got one. No, I don't. That's why I asked you. I, I don't. I can't think of anyone. You know, like even um, I was thinking about because you know, so my other podcasts, we're going to be talking about Godfather Part 3 and Michael Corleone is killed off in the film. Uh, obviously, that's him yeah. and Mario Puzo. That's a book. But, he, you know, he goes away in a film. J.K. Rowling hasn't killed off Harry Potter yet that I know of. And if she does, it'll be in a book. It won't just be like a, a post. You know, I don't I don't yeah, I don't yeah, foresee yeah, yeah. here just saying Harry's dead, <laughs> just walking away. Although Tarantino has started some trends before. So she may uh, she may kill him off later. We don't know. Well, I think she's busy doing things. She's busy getting more <laughs> money because HBO is going to reboot this fucking thing. Uh, whatever. And, we're not going to tell But in her time to do horrible yeah. things that, like, why would you waste your life in a castle doing what she does? Well, uh, Lucas and Spielberg, even though I know you want to see it, I don't I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if Harrison's character of Indiana Jones dies in the film, but if he does, it's in the film. We have not killed off Harrison. Uh, Luke Skywalker was killed off. All the the main characters from Skywalker died in the films. I can confirm he does not die. Okay. Well, there we go. I did see you saw it. I don't want to know anything, so I'm going to see it tomorrow because I have to, whether it's good or not. I, I'm a child of the of the '80s, and Harris and Indiana Jones was my was my thing. I liked it more than a lot of people. Not saying it's a perfect film, but it works for me. 
it did what it needed to do. It is it gives it gives closure to the character, but he does not die. Anymore. So then it's fair to say that we cannot currently come up with it, anyone else who has been killed off by their creator and it not happened either in literature that they came from or the film world that they were originally brought on. I mean, I guess the only one I can kind of think of would be Robert Crumb killed off Fritz the Cat in the comic after the film came out. Well, okay. Soon after the film, but he, he still killed it off in the medium with which. Yeah, he didn't just you know it wasn't just a post. It wasn't like hey. Yeah, yeah. That's the closest kind of one I can think of, I guess. Well, I have I have a theory on maybe why that is. Back in the beginning of last year, I believe it was I believe it was in January of 2022, Mr. Tarantino himself announced that he had written a biography on the life and career of Rick Dalton. Now, do you feel after we've spoken a little bit that this announcement? And the special podcast episodes, which I will admit I have not listened to yet because, well, I'll finish the statement. I'll explain why. Are just a cheap marketing tool to drum up interest in the character again. So when he does announce the book, it might help drive sales. Or do you feel that this is the kind of out of left field stuff that we can expect from post filmmaker Tarantino in the future? And before you answer, I did not listen to those episodes because if the book does come out, I kind of want to read the book first and then hear the episodes to see if it adds to my enjoyment of the book that he writes. I think he's kind of doing what um, Brett Easton Ellis did with his most recent book, The Shards, where he, he kind of did it as a podcast and then it became a book later. Hmm. Okay. So similar. He's already got the book, but he's going to kind of trumpet it on the pod. And the reason why they have a podcast is because of the Brett Easton Ellis podcast, because Tarantino is, fr- is friends with Brett Easton Ellis and Roger Avery, because friends with Brett Easton Ellis and Roger Avery went on Brett's podcast and Quentin got in touch with Brett him and Avery I would say you know with some extent were estranged at that point they were not best buddies as they are now if they saw each other they were friendly but mm-hmm. you know they had not been, been in touch for on a social level in many years because Weinstein kind of saw that Quentin was the golden boy so to speak and yeah. kind of was like we need to kind of distance you from Avery which happens, sadly. Um, that is what happened, and I think they both said that's what happened. So I, I think it's kind of, he's doing the Brett Easton Ellis route with the book, possibly. Well, Avery did do one of Easton Ellis's books as a movie. Yeah, so, yeah, so that's, that's my take on it. So. Do you think that this could lead to, so obviously he really fell in love with Once Upon a Time. Like, he really loves the world he created. And there's a part of me that almost thinks, and we'll get to the TV thing in a minute, that he may have wanted to, if he could go back in time, part of me feels that he would do movie critic before Once Upon a Time, do Once Upon a Time, and then spin everything off from Once Upon a Time because I feel like he's put himself in a corner where he still loves and lives in the world of Once Upon a Time. However, he wants to get this other thing done. Like, it's, it's a very strange bedfellow he has right now because, like, it, you know, obviously the very first book was Once Upon a Time, kind of like the compendium, like uh, the novel of it, which really, as I've said on my podcast, is, you know, the movies, the Rick Dalton story, the book really does feel like the Cliff Booth story. So we get more oh, of yeah. Cliff and everything about him in, the, in that. And now with everything else going. One thing I'll say about the book, and I don't think it's, I think it's a very fun read. I don't think it's like he's the best prose writer on the planet when it comes to novels. We could probably say that safely. But I do think kind of the whole point of the movie is actually in the book and is not in the movie. Is the part where he, where Cliff meets El, where Cliff meets Oliver Ray. Because the whole film is about what ifs. Mm-hmm. That is what could happen to Rick. He could be Alder Ray. Mm-hmm. Well, Cliff is going to get him his whiskey or vodka or whatever, and he's on set 
in some country where he doesn't really want to be, but he needs the money to keep his drinking habit going. And that's re really what the film's about, is that scene. And it's not in the film. Does this now open the door for... So Kill Bill 3 movie, dead, possibly. Vega Brothers will never see Light of Day because they're both way too fucking old for it. But does this open up the door for him to revisit these things and start to bring them out into the culture? Because the book's fantastic. The book and the movie, it's rare that you get a book... And a movie to be their own unique, you know what I mean? Like most books and movies stay together. Like even uh, the way that in the book that Rick meets Mr. Schultz, <laughs> Martha Schultz, where he meets them is different. They don't meet at the, the bar. They don't meet at Mitch and Russo's. They meet in his office and different things happen. So even in that world, it's, it's another like almost parallel universe. So do we think that he's going to continue this kind of thing well that's also just how sort of novelizations are because normally always an earlier draft and the shooting draft mm -hmm. using. and I, I know he's like read every novelization for, of like that era so i think that was a very deliberate choice is, is change the scenes up and make it very different you know? yeah i think they work i mean they, they do work oh yeah yeah what, 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 what was your question again sorry, i saw i sidetracked for a second no no uh, the the question is basically do we think that now you know this this kind of announcing the deaths of characters and this and that do we think that he's going to now this will be the new way he does things once he's done with movies that he'll do stuff like this maybe it'll drum up you know dvd release or maybe it'll drum up excitement and maybe a new novel maybe he'll i mean again no one knows what he's going to do he'll announce a lot of shit but he won't always do it so it's just one of those things basically us just speculating do we think that this is the beginning of what the new tarantino world will be like is once we put the movie critic to bed and that's done, will we start to revisit all his old stuff or will he start bringing new stuff out? Uh, I mean, I think it would be a mixture. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if does like a Django book possibly because it was supposed to be that Django Zorro comic at one point. Yep, that did come out for a little bit, yeah. Did that actually come out? Yeah, yeah, there's a Django. He had a little input in it, but I don't think he was much of a writer on it. So again, you know, he does a yeah, lot of things. Yeah, so I think stuff like that. Maybe he maybe could do a, Vince, a, a Vega Bros book, you know, that might be a fun thing for him to do. You know, we, we shall see, you know, I, I think... Um, it's all very up in the middle of the moment. But I, I definitely think TV is probably, he's definitely going to do a couple TV shows, I think. Well, we're almost there for that. I have a few thoughts. And one thing about the podcast I, I, I will say is I, I really wish he got Leo to do the voice of Rick Dalton. I know. Because Leo probably would have done it yeah. as well. And it would have just been fantastic to get Leo yeah. on, that, on doing it one last time. Because I'm sure if he called it, it was like, can I get you for two hours to do like this mock interview with you as Rick? He would have been like, let's try to do it, right? Because obviously Leo's Leo and he's like one of the most busy actors on the planet. But if, but as you know, it's his fucking boy, you know, the buddies, right? So he probably would have tried to do fit it in somehow. Oh, yeah. I mean, his two performances in the Tarantino world will go down in his top top 10, if not top five performances oh, of, yeah. of his career, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's not the same with Tarantino interviewing himself essentially <laughs> no as the movie Django showed when he plays himself as his back to his Tennessee roots as the hooded guy who talks about <laughs> next time we wear the back <laughs> he's fantastic but then he does the Australian accent you're like oh fuck he should have just stuck with the the southern thing that you know yes yes <laughs> now during his special appearance at the 2023 cons film festival Mr. Tarantino revealed that the main character of his upcoming 10th and supposed final film the movie critic will be based on a real life movie critic who used to write for a porno 
Rag in the 1970s. He described his version of the real-life man to be a cross between Howard Stern and Travis Bickle of Taxi Driver fame, if Travis Bickle were a movie critic. Now, he has not as of yet released the name of the real-life inspiration, but he did say that the real man died in his late 30s due to complications with alcohol. Mr. Schultz, is Tarantino setting us up for a taxi driver-like feel to his last film with this nugget of info, or is this just some clever subterfuge by QT to keep people off the scent of what the film might really be about? I mean, I think there's probably some truth to it. Um, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that much like Taxi Driver's very few films are. But I think I think it's just to be him kind of being a snotty film <laughs> critic. And, and I, I know he has talked to Schrader about the role in Thunder, and which I know he does it really like in some ways, but I mean, he also loves that film. So I am slightly baffled by it. You know, he, he really, that has a very, that's a very profound movie film. I'm not as fond of that film. I much prefer the outfit when it comes to John Flynn, but I think it'd be some rewriting of history in there as he's done with the last few films. Yeah. You know, when he says the Travis Bickle part, I think that's an intentional. It could either be a nod towards, hey, the guy's just going to be a little bit eccentric and crazy and a bit of an asshole of a, of a film critic and really like go in on people, you know, no holds barred style. I don't know that yeah. he'll become a psycho, you know what I mean, and, and lose yeah. all composure at the end and end up, you know, but who knows? Isn't it's that a Tarantino, Tarantino thing, out. though, right? But that's yes, the other yes. thing, like, because, you know, when I've talked about Once Upon a Time, it was originally said, this is a Manson movie. And so you sit through the whole fucking movie going, oh, fuck, here comes the Manson scene, and the Manson scene comes up, and we get a little look at Manson, and we never see him again and everything just flips on its head so you know he's setting us up for something we're going to be set up for something as he always does in his film so i think he let this nugget out for us to ruminate on and start thinking about stuff so that we go in and we don't see what's really coming that's just my feeling but i mean we'll, we'll find out soon now a few weeks ago i posted my top five actors and i believe you you uh, may have commented as well under the age of 40 whom i thought might be on mr tarantino's shortlist for this role mr schultz what actors under 40 do you see possibly being tapped by QT to start in this film? As of recording, no one has been named. He has said that he has a few people he likes. He doesn't even know if he's going to ask them. He thinks there's a few people good for the role, but he doesn't know if he's going to ask them or if he's going to put it out to more of a casting choice. As I am in Hyde Park in Leeds, I have to say Piney, Chris Pine, who lived in this area for, at university for a year. And we, we do know Tarantino does love Piney. He's a great much. actor. He has a big man crush on him. I think he's not a bad prediction. Even if he's not the lead, I think he will probably be in it because he wants to work with him. And it's the last movie. And anyone in Hollywood, who, for whatever reason, I mean, anyone who doesn't hate Tarantino will want to be <laughs> in this movie. So I think he's probably a, a, about as safe a bet as, any, as, as we know at this point. Uh, I think he is roughly about this, this, the right age. He's a little older than that, but he can play 35 Yeah, yeah I would agree. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's about 42 yeah. or something, but, you know, but people in the 70s look yes, a little no, older that's, than that's a fact. now. So. And he can kind of do crazy, so I, I can, he'd be a really good pick. You know, some people have said Adam Driver. I don't think he would pick Adam Driver, not saying he doesn't like it. He obviously likes Adam Driver, but I just don't see him as that in that part. But he also said it's someone he has not, he has not worked with. If I, if I remember that's what he's thinking, yeah. Out. But again, we shall see if he does or not. Piney, Piney yep. is a good choice. Is a good bet. Adam Driver. So obviously, wouldn't be like Austin Butler or someone like that. So right now, Chris Pine is your number one guy that you think is gonna slide in and be our man. I think he'll at least be in it, if not the lead. All right, I like that. When you little scamps get together, you're worse than a sewing circle.
Now, earlier this week, there was what I believe to be a screenshot of a fake article from The Hollywood Reporter that claimed female comedian Amy Schumer had been the first officially announced cast member of the movie critic. There's nothing else I can find on that that even that post is gone. However, a buddy of mine sent it to me, so I will put it up on my social so people can see it. Also rumored on the gateway to the dark web, I call Reddit, rumors swirled that the movie critic will be close to five hours long and start shooting in L.A. in late September. What, if any, credence do you give any of these rumors? As some people say, where there's smoke, there's fire. However, having researched this deeply before I got on with you, I could not find any more of this stuff. Even the post on Reddit had been removed, the original post about shooting in L.A. in September. So, of the three things I've just broken, anything there feel real, or is it all just bullshit? Uh, well, it'll be shot in L.A. That's probably... Well, yeah, yeah, the location where it's going to be shot <laughs> is true, but are we thinking late September? Because he hasn't even announced anything. We're, I mean, we're in July. I mean, that's two months away. I mean, that's a lot of pre-production and shit well, to get ready for it to shoot that quickly. If I'm not mistaken, he's not a WGA member, is he? Ooh, I don't know. I know the writer's strike could be... That could be the issue. Yeah, I mean, but he could always forego that, I I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. I never even thought of it because I know he's definitely DGA for sure, but I don't know if he's WGA. He has ne- He refused to join the guild over natural one. So there you go. So he's safe on that ground. So he can definitely go ahead shooting if he wants. So how do you feel about Amy Schumer? Uh, I mean, I'm not personally an Amy Schumer fan. I would not be truly shocked if she has some part in it. And he's certainly used comedians in the past. I think he would get an amazing performance out of her. Yeah. If there's one thing, it doesn't matter who they announce, I know he's going to be able to get the best from them. It may not translate afterwards, as we've seen it happen a number of times, with these people he's brought in who have been amazing in his films, and then they go off and they just fucking fall apart again. You sometimes go, you almost feel like he did some kind of voodoo to get them to be as good as they are, because you watch them anywhere else, you're like, these people suck. I mean, I, 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 I would not be shocked by that. Uh, but I don't really, I can't really think of her as someone from the 70s, though. You know, that's the thing. Well, she, I mean, if anything, she's probably going to be some kind of actress in a film. Like, I'm wondering if some of this, we've hypothesized in this, do you think that they do some of the, you know, because they, you know, he's talked about Paul Scherer, how they would change different movies, how they would end them. Do you think he goes back and does kind of like he did with Rick Dalton, where he puts Rick Dalton into The Great Escape? Do we think we do some of that in films? Which would then parlay Amy Schumer playing whoever. I, I wouldn't be surprised. So I wouldn't put it past him because he's certainly done it before. Um, and I, I would think that's probably that will probably happen to some extent. How extensively in the film is to be seen. Who do you feel has to return from his staple of actors if this is the final film? Who has to be in it? Whether it's just in, obviously, a cameo or even in a minor role or whatever. Who has to be in this film? film i mean obviously sam jackson's in it there's no way yeah, yeah i mean how's he not in this he's gonna have some kind of, even if it's just a voiceover he's gonna be like quentin well he could be a black exploitation be playing a, a black exploitation actor like you yeah. know I mean? even if it's a real or fake actor he's got him yeah yeah he has to be in it i think Kaitel's gonna be in it oh yep yeah. i feel like he has to be somewhere even if it's like some kind of cd producer because i think he's gonna try he wants to bring some of the people he hasn't worked with for a while who helped him at the beginning to be in the last one and obviously, Kaitel's Why Rather Dogs happened anyway, so I think Kaitel's a must. I would actually really like to see Buscemi back, because that's been a long time. Yes, yes, it's been a long time, 30 years. Yeah, so the, he would be cool to have back. Obviously, I think Madsen's going to be in it. Yep, I agree. What about Pam? 
I mean, we're talking seventies. I know, obviously, she can't be her, yes, it, but she it, could be an exploitation. It, it somebody would be, it would be really lovely to see her back. Absolutely, actually, we could get Travolta back doing something. Yeah, that would be cool. He could use the help outside of being in the T-Mobile commercials and the, <laughs> you know and the whole I mean? movies he's in. Jesus Christ, the movies he's in. Is Roth back in again, or is... Uh, Roth is, I think, a given pretty much with any of them at this point. Do you, do you think Brad or Leo's gonna? Could it maybe have like Brad might. Could be like a walk in his red foot or something. There's a part of me that feels that feels like they're going to be in it as Cliff and Rick. Oh, that, I, that whether it's be. even if it's a small moment, right? Like yeah. I really yeah, do yeah. feel they if they get in that they're in as Cliff and Rick. If I and again, how do you keep it under wraps? But it'd be really cool if we don't know. You know what I mean? It'd be great to just all of a sudden they're there on screen. You know, like all of a sudden, like holy shit, that's Rick. And Cliff, in a moment, even if it's like a brief moment on a set, I don't know. We'll see. I, I I don't know how that'll work, but it would be really fucking cool to have both of them playing them those characters and having that nice tie-in. Yeah, that would that would be very cool. Even if it's a like as you've done before, even if they shoot a fake scene from a film, like you know, like he did with Once Upon a Time, and the guys reviewing it, like even if it's like you know that meta of a scene where we're watching a part of their film, and you know that's what we get of them, and we don't even get anything more than them just being in a bullshit scene from a movie that they were a part of. Or even it's like a trailer for like Grizzly or something with Rick. Is, yeah, is yeah, in. exactly. Yeah, I think Uma might come back. That would be cool. It would be cool. I mean, her daughter made it in. That'd be yeah, kind of yeah. interesting to see her back. Maybe Christoph Waltz, just because you know, it's, yeah. been, it's been a couple without. It's been two without him, and I think Jamie Fox could be in. I mean, if we're gonna, because we're in the seventies, well, we're in black exploitation we territory. I, I hope, we could have. We there could be a choice, a chance I, I, of that. I hope so, but we don't know about Jamie Fox at the moment. So yeah. we. Oh, that's true. Yeah, with his health. Yeah. yeah so, who's on your short list of people that? have never been in that you would love to see in a Tarantino movie who's not obviously not going to play the lead because obviously we're talking about some actors who may be well past being the lead of a mid-30s, late-30s, you know, writer. Because some of these actors could actually play, I mean, we're talking about, this is the time from late 70s, we're talking about the, you know, the new Hollywood guys. We're talking about the Lucases, the De Palmas, the Coppolas, the Scorseses, the Spielbergs, you know, we could have people playing them or even some of the older hats. I mean, it would be kind of cool to get like Morgan Peterson or someone like that. I know he's a big manhunter and to live and die. And he was a big CSI mm-hmm. fan because he did CSI. Mm-hmm. And I know he was he was on one of the short lists for Pulp Fiction as well. That, that'd be kind of a cool one to get for something. I, I, know, I know he's a big Jennifer Lawrence fan because I know she was up for Squeaky at one point. Is, is Jim Brown still alive? Or is Jim Brown passed? He just passed. Oh, he just passed. He just passed. Yeah. Because he's been definitely talking about Jim Brown a lot recently. And then, and, and, and Jim, is, is, and Jim, was Jim Brown in from Dust Till Dawn? No, it's Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, couldn't remember if they were both in it or not. It would be cool if you got like Daniel Day Lewis or someone like that, like back. <laughs> if you come out of retirement. Yeah. I mean, if he was going to come out of retirement, it would be him or like, PTA, so yeah, I, I know he he almost was Vince Vega, I and mean, he was who Harvey was like begging him to cast. He was like, you know, Daniel. That's a whole different and, kind of and, movie. And it was like, and I know Harvey was like, Daniel is picky, but he would do his movie, you know, sort of thing. Who who are you thinking of? The one that I always would love to see because of the amazing performances he always gives, whether people like him or not. I think he always gives amazing performances, and that would be Nicolas Cage. I would love to see him in some kind of role. Especially now that you're going to open up Hollywood. Like, if we're going to be looking at Hollywood, he could play any number of eccentric whatever happening in the 70s. He would be great. I don't know that he would play his uncle, but I wouldn't put past him. He could play he's, a good Scorsese. He's probably a bit old for it, but 
him as Robert Evans. He's too old for it now, but him as Evans, that would have been that would have been crazy. Arby Plaza's one though was like a real diamond in the rough that some people yeah, have brought yeah. up as being in one of his movies. And she's being a perfect age to be something in, yeah, in yeah. the film. I mean, I I also know she's trying she's like basically begging uh, to be the lead in the John Waters movie that he's about to do. She's one of those people who will do almost anything, which is what I love about her. She oh, yeah. She brings she's, her she's, A-game to every yeah, she's performance. she's great. Um, Natasha Lyonne, with, like, poker faces, a very 70s Yeah. That would be, yeah. That'd be cool. Uh, that'd be quite cool if she, she was in it. That's a pretty good list. It'd be interesting to look back at this when they start naming it. See how many we actually get right if we strike out on all of them. Well, finally... As I reported on this podcast and its socials back in November of 2022, after attending QT's North American leg of his Cinema Speculation book tour, that Tarantino's next project was an episodic, one-off TV series that he was going to begin filming in 2023. So we understand you're retired. Um, <laughs> but there's got to be more. I mean, there's got to be a plane water ride or, or something else. Oh, well, you didn't ask that, all right? You know, uh, well, I am asking that. Uh, okay, yeah. Funny you brought that up. Yes. Is there a plane you want to write a plane? <laughs> yes, I bring. Yeah, I, 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 have, I'm, I, I've written a play actually. Uh, I'm not gonna go into what it is, but I have, I have written a play, uh, <clears throat> and I'll probably like uh, uh, I, the two of the things that I've written. I wrote the play actually. Frankly, to tell you the truth, I wrote the play before I wrote Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. Uh, but I've written a play, and I've also no, I've, uh, uh, a, a few things. I've, uh, and I've actually written, I've mentioned it before, uh, once before, I've written actually an eight-episode TV series. Uh, that, uh, we'll probably uh, start getting it going at some, some point next year. Does it count as my 10th movie? <laughs> <laughs> this is doing the math. No, it doesn't. Okay. It's just us in here, and apparently nobody has a phone. So you can tell us. Maybe a little bit of what the yes. TV show is. He vehemently denied it would be his last film, saying he didn't even know what his last film was going to be about. Liar. A few days later, he was a guest on the podcast, Two Bears, One Cave with Tom Segura, where once again, he announced to the world that his next project was a TV series. Would you continue to produce and stuff, though? Or I don't like producing. I'm not a, I, I, if, I'm, if I'm not making a movie, I don't want to fucking make a movie. Okay. <laughs> All right, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I want to like, uh, yeah, I'm a... Uh, 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 making movies are hard work. If I'm not making it for me, I'm not interested. <laughs> so it would really be back to like writing. The well, look, I could do a TV show or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could do a TV show. That that, that would be different. You know, uh, uh, I could do that. Um, Get ready to back up a Brinks truck for Quentin. Man. <laughs> I mean, these checks are big these fucking yeah, days, know, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> you just put the feel. Your agents are jerking off right now in the other room. <laughs> they were like, he does. Yeah. Well, I'll say one thing. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let something out of the bag right now. Uh, 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 I won't say anything about what it is or whatever, but uh, uh, I have written a TV show. I've written eight episodes, all right, of a limited series. I've written all eight episodes. I'll, I direct all eight episodes. Uh, I need to do a polish on it. Uh, but, you know, that might be what I, like, uh, start setting up next year. Dude. 
Can I just, can I read, please? Can I just get a, can I read for you? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Hey, he's, it's on camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, 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 sure. And you signed a contract. You don't realize what you signed when yeah. you walked <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you have a fucking eight episode limited series? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's so exciting. And it has not, you have not sent no, it out? No, no, no one, uh, no, I like my agents, my, my agents read it and like uh, a couple of people uh, I'll be working on it as producers. They're the only ones that have read it. This is breaking news. Yeah, it is breaking news. Holy shit. Fast forward four months. And while on the European leg of his book tour, all of a sudden, he's done a 180 and now suddenly has his 10th and final film written and ready to be filmed this fall of 2023. I call bullshit. Anyone who knows QT and his writing process, it takes him years to write and finalize a script. So I fully believe that the movie critic was originally going to be a TV show that he has decided for whatever reasons to scrap and turn into his last film. Now, he has every right to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. My issue is with today's so-called journalists. Not having the spine or the balls to put his feet to the fire and ask him what happened to the TV show he so proudly exclaimed was his next project, or how over the course of four months he was inspired to quickly write his last film. Instead, they asked him what he might be doing next after his movie career is over during the Cannes Film Festival, to which he had the audacity to say maybe he'd do a television show, to which everyone just let fucking slide. So my question for you, Mr. Schultz, why the fuck are journalists so afraid to ask him hard questions and put his feet to the fucking fire for the things he has claimed? We just let it slide. Now all of a sudden we're like, oh, you want to do a TV show? Are you fucking kidding me? Like the man on that stage went fucking wild and could not protest enough that he had nothing ready for his last film. This was not going to be his last film and this is what he was doing next. All of a sudden... Christmas comes, Christmas goes, it gets a little cold outside. Next thing you know, I've got a movie ready. Your thoughts? Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how many interviews he's actually doing with journalists. That's always an issue, like so the, uh, the access. So there's probably not that many who can actually hold his feet to the fire to find out what he's actually doing. I mean, I, I, I think the TV show could be Bounty Law, actually. I mean, that's a pretty... Pop, big possibility certainly could be movie critic was the tv show and has now became a film and then he might do a tv version of it for netflix as he said he was gonna do with what's from in hollywood but it still has not happened i mean and you know journalists just like to clickbait and like to ha have some exclusive on something even if it's 99 percent time absolute bullshit i mean world of world of, of real exists and half the stuff they post is bullshit so we're never gonna get an answer from or have a person ask him these questions he won't come on this podcast because i will ask him i do not care he has the right to be held accountable for things he says he will bag on other people he'll take shits on the mcu which some of the stances he has i believe in some i don't doesn't matter you know that's he has the right to his opinion but he has no problem spouting these out but no one can ask him and also the thing with the mcu stuff is i don't think he Shits on the MCU, actually. I think that's... No, no, no. I know what you mean, yeah. But he's yeah, just... it's like he's a 60-year-old guy, grew up collecting comic books. He likes some of those movies. He has said he likes some of those movies. Some of the movies he doesn't care for. Some of the movies... It's, and same here. Some of the movies I like, I probably like more of them than he does, but it certainly does not hate those movies. And even, like, people like... Well, even, like, Scorsese, right? Everyone's like, oh, Scorsese hates comic movies. The guy literally said he really liked the Sam Raimi movies, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, you know, 
I'm sure he probably liked the Hellboy movies and some of the more sort of artistic takes on superhero movies, you know. But yeah, Scorsese's an 80 year old man. They're not made for him, you know. Don't ask 80 year old directors what they think of superhero movies unless they're like <laughs> making superhero movies themselves. Maybe do that. There's probably more interesting stuff you can ask them about. What is the fear for journalists to ask hard questions like that? So, like, you know, obviously Scorsese, Tarantino, all, everyone has the the right to say what they would like about other things. But why is it when they suddenly are now put under the spotlight for the things they've said, they, especially Tarantino, sometimes has a hissy fit. Why, why do people back away? Are they afraid that they'll never get another chance to talk to this person in the room? I mean, wh- when, did, when did journalism turn into such a bunch of cowards to be so afraid to say any, to ask the important questions? Well, I, I, think, I think it depends. I mean, I, I, mean, I think asking him, why are, his film, why are your films so violent? After he's been asked that a thousand times since the day Reservoir Dogs premiered at Sundance, I can totally understand why he's like, I want to shut your, your butt down. You know, it's like, I fucking answered that a thousand times. You can find out what I have to say about that. There's not really much to add, you know, but, you know, violence to cinematic and stuff, you know. I think a lot of it is um, sort of critics are afraid of getting access again. I think that's a lot of that. I think also just the time you get with these people as someone who has done junkets, you know, if you're lucky, you get 15, 20 minutes, probably with, with a Quentin, unless you're working for one of the big magazines, one of the big uh, websites, you'll get maybe five minutes, you know, and there's like at least three or four questions you kind of have to ask in these situations just for the piece to work. So you have maybe four questions of your own you can ask. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it's it's hard to navigate what to ask in those situations unless you have a good amount of time of someone. Oh, fair, fair. I don't like that people uh, are too afraid and pull punches, but it's a fair statement. It's interesting that we have uh, such thin-skinned directors out there, thin-skinned people who can't handle being asked tough questions. It's a pretty sad world we're living in where we have to softball question people so that they don't get their butts chafed. Uh, I, I wouldn't I say, I wouldn't throw Tarantino in that category, though. I think he is not afraid to have a, a, a intelligent, hard-hitting question. But it was like, why are your films so violent? Why do you, uh, why, why? Oh, no, yeah, those are stupid questions. I'm wondering why the gentleman who asked, who was speaking with him at the Cannes Film Festival, when asked him the question, what will you be doing after your film career? And Tarantino said, I might do television. He didn't follow up with, well, what happened to the TV show you announced to the world in November? That seems like a simple follow up, and they just, nope. It's like, it's like, that's uncharted territory. Might be as simple as the guy didn't do his research. Fucking piece of shit. You know, <laughs> they're, they're not as fucking nerdy as us lot. You know, we should, you know, you know, it's, that's, it's probably as simple as that. It's like, oh, wow, that sounds great. You know, didn't know that he already announced something three months ago. He shouldn't have been in the fucking room then. <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> well, in your opinion, will we ever see this so-called TV show that was announced? And... Do you think, I don't think he can walk away from directing. I don't think he can. I think he wants to walk away from from movies, but I think he loves telling stories. Like he loves the long form of stuff. I think he would love, I, I think he, if he got into TV, I think he would love it. He'd love to do one-off stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's just my my feeling, but I don't know for sure because this man changes his mind like the fucking wind changes. Do you think we'll ever see the show he supposedly has written? And if so, do you think we'll see more than just one? You know, more like a bunch of like almost anthology series where it's just one series. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think we will see some kind of TV project from Tarantino in the next few years. If it was whatever he was thinking of doing earlier this year, we will probably never know unless he says the movie critic was that TV show or, about, or it ends up being found. Oh, you know, he has said he wants to do a Bounty Law show, which I find a bit goofy, to be honest, because it's obviously a parody of Wanted or Dead or Alive in the first place. And I'm not sure how many people under, like, 70 would watch a sort of parody of Wanted, Dead or Alive. It just seems kind of an odd thing for him to do. But, you know, it's, it's Tarantino for you. And yeah, I think I think he'll he'll find a home on one of the streamers or or HBO or something. I mean, they, they will be desperate to to have him. There will be like to be so many bidding wars over what his his TV project be. So, do you think he's gonna ever um, maybe become a director for hire for some of these TV shows? Because there were talks about him doing the new Justified. Well, he I would say he did it what twice. He did it for ER. He did it. For- for ER, that was his first, and then he did that ending uh, two episode special for CSI, which is still the I think one of the top rated CSI episodes they've ever had. It's the only episode I've ever seen of CSI is his episode. I'll be hundred percent honest with you. Same. That's the only two episodes I ever watched. He was supposed to do the first two episodes of the Tim Thielefont reboot of Justified. Of Justified, he was supposed to do that last year in the in the spring. He was the you know he was tapped to do the first two episodes, and then something happened where it just didn't didn't materialize. It they couldn't get it to work out. It just kind of was in the ether, and then why it didn't happen just kind of was dropped, and no one spoke of it. So I'm wondering if maybe because that's supposed to be kicking off soon, I wonder if maybe when that debuts, we'll get some more information as to why he did. Oh, maybe do it. he has done one and they haven't announced it. That'd be cool it, like, it, if he it, just it, did it without it. it but it could be like he's done the finale of that season. You never know. Yeah, and that would be cool. Because sh- jumping into one of those shows that's like two weeks work for directors. So. Well, the thing for him now is is the days of the the regularly watched series on like television have kind of passed. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, like, yeah. It's mostly the streaming shows that people are, are a part of. I think it would be cool if he did one of Reservation Dogs. That'd be kind of cool since it's it's not Reservoir Dogs, but you know, obviously they got their name yeah, and they yeah. have a little bit of a, a coy moment in the beginning of the first season. A director of his talent, like when you do watch the CSI or even when you see the episode of ER, you can tell instantly. It's different from the rest of the series. Oh, yeah. Like, it stands out on its own, which is a good thing. But also, some could can consider it a sore thumb because, like, it stands well, out. You go, well, oh, well, well, we could. With the ER one, the internet, the ER one, and, and I actually, um, I interviewed one of the guys who did a couple of ERs, Steve D. Johnette, who did some Miracle Mile. I don't know if you ever saw that film. Actually, the way ER was shot was not that dissimilar to some of the Tarantino stuff because all these like really elaborate long takes and his one has mm-hmm. this crazy long take in it. So, you know, it's actually kind of more suited for his style at that time specifically than mm-hmm. a lot of TV probably today would be. It's too bad Breaking Bad and um, its spinoff are over. I would love to have seen him direct one of those since they are very heavily influenced yeah, yeah. by some of his work. And Justified was, seems like such an obvious thing as well. It did. It did because Elmore Leonard, it seemed like that was going to be the ticket. And the two got, and, and you know, it's Oliphant and it seemed like such an obvious fit for him. But who knows? He may have actually done it and he just haven't announced it, which would be very cool. Be very if they, they cool. just don't mention it till the episode premieres and it's like, holy shit, it's Tarantino directed this. If there's one show I hope he would direct, and I think he would be perfect for it, it would be an episode of The Boys. 
The Boys is just such a batshit oh, yeah, crazy, oh, yeah, yeah, amazing, yeah. fucking do whatever you want. I think it completely is in the wheelhouse of Tarantino to show up and do an episode or two of The Boys because he would have completely free reign to do whatever he wants because that show pulls no punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know what's coming next. It really is, my opinion, in the wheelhouse of him, and uh, I would love. But he may not want to do the superhero thing, sadly. True, but it's it's like an anti-superhero. No, 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 no. Trying to stop the superhero. I've seen the show. It's one of my favorite shows, but I'm, the same, yeah. I'm saying, you know, he may just have. It's such anti-superhero to him. I think he would be great at it because. In some ways, it might be too political for him in a way. Maybe, but I think I think he could. Uh, I don't know. There's just something about that show. <laughs> Not saying his films don't have any politics, but like it is a kind of quite an anti. I mean, obviously, he's done a couple of anti-fascist movies, but you know, yeah. it is a you know is it kind of wheels its politics on its sleeve very much. That that, that show. I don't know. Just the uh, the stuff that goes on in that show, I think, would be right in his wheelhouse. And that's a wrap on our inaugural episode of Tarantino Speculation. I would once again like to thank my special guest, Mr. Ian Schultz, creator and writer for PsychotronicCinema.com, for joining me today. Now, you can find the links to his website and socials in our show notes. And as always, you can become a member of the Church of Tarantino by following us on all our socials. Those links can be found in the show notes as well. Now, be sure to subscribe, like, and follow this podcast so you can stay up to date on our Tarantino Speculation series. New episodes will drop as soon as any new pertinent information from the Tarantinoverse that needs speculating on is released. So please join me again next week as friend of the church, Sean Wheeler, joins me for our monthly hymnal devotional. This time we're taking a deep dive into the Kill Bill Volume 2 soundtrack. So until then, I'm the Reverend Scott K. May Tarantino be with you always. Thank you.